me tell you why uh, church is important and why we're struggling. Part of it has to do with distance. Part of it has to do with we're not really integrated in one another's lives. Let me tell you what I, what I mean by that. When, when, when churches were community churches like this church started out, it was hard for folk in the community not to know what your business was. It was hard for them not to understand what you were dealing with day to day because they saw it every day. They knew your child wasn't at home. They, 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 they knew you were struggling with not having a job. But now because we're so dispersed, we can come to church and put on a face. We can put on a show and we lose the benefit of community praying with us. We lose the benefit of community being with us because we're so divided and we only want to show the good in your life. Church ain't for just good. Church is for struggling. Church is for hurting. Church is for I need you to pray with me. But if I won't show you that I'm struggling, then you can't be grateful to God for what I'm going through. See, everybody in here ought to be able to tell you what's going on in your life. They ought to be able to say, I'm grateful that God has blessed Anthony with a new job. They ought to know that. They ought to know that already, not just because he tells them, but because they see it materializing in their lives. And so some of us are content with just putting on our best peacock array and coming in here and showing everybody that life is grand. I bet if I asked for a show of hands, nobody in here would say that life is grand. Everybody in here would say, I got something going on. There's something going on right now. And if I ask you, you say, I want everybody to pray for me. But you won't let me in. You won't let me in. You won't let me in to your life to pray for you. Now, I could just do it generically. But, oh, when you pray for me, I want you to call my name. I want you to say, pray for Andre, that Andre will deal with this circumstance that he's going through. And then I believe we'd be singing, we'd be standing here shouting, grateful. We'd be grateful because we would see how God blessed us today just by allowing us to come in here today. Can I tell you, God's been good to you, whether you acknowledge it or not. He's been good to you. Whether you see, some of us are scared to acknowledge how good God has been to us because we're afraid it'll show folk how bad we were. Yeah, yeah, if I cry too much, they'll know that I don't have it all together. Yeah, can I tell you, this is a weeping place. This is a crying place. This is a, not, always, not always tears are bad. Sometimes it's, oh Lord, you have brought me so far. How good you have been to me, Lord. How good. I spoke. Let me tell you how good God is. I spoke to a young man yesterday. Tell you what it is, Tim. Beverly, whose mother passed away. And I didn't expect that Tim, being the mature brother, raised in a Christian family, to be all torn up. And he said, yes, sir. He said, I appreciate you calling, brother. Tim and I were teenagers. We were little boys together like these little boys. And he said, he said, I said, so Lois and Clyde are back together again. And he said, amen, they are, brother. He said, and I can't tell you, 
He said, I know you'll know what I mean when I say it's a relief. It's a relief. Because she don't have to struggle no more. She doesn't have to hurt no more. And when you watch your mama go through that, for the same, for since his daddy died, seven years, you get to a place where you say, Lord, please bless her. Help her. If being here with us is going to cause her this pain, then don't let her be here no more. Yeah. That's, that's when you know somebody's business. And that's when he's not afraid to say, this is what I'm going through. So, yeah, I'm going to miss my mama, he said. I'm going to miss her because I loved her and she was a good mama. But I'm so glad God loved her more and he blessed her. That's what I'm talking about. So this morning, yesterday morning, Tim got up, even though his mama just died, he was grateful. He was grateful. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about grateful for trinkets. I'm talking about grateful for triumph. Grateful for blessings. Blessings seen and unseen. That's what I'm talking about. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Flowing from my heart. What are the issues of your heart? What, what are the issues of your heart? I can't know what the issues of your heart are unless you say something about the issues of your heart. Do you have courage enough? It's gratefulness. It's gratefulness. It's gratefulness. Y'all don't have to start it back up again. And I get up sometimes because the Lord said, get up, Andre. Say it. Tell them. Talk to them. Let them know. That's what you're here for. You're not a potted plant. Get up and say something, and they'll receive it if they receive it. If they don't, maybe you'll get it later tonight. Maybe, maybe, maybe tonight when, you, when the arthritis kick in. And you realize, you know, I ain't got nobody praying for me on this arthritis but me. Gratefulness. Gratefulness. Anthony said a few minutes ago, we've entered into a season, we call it the season of Advent. It's not the first time we've celebrated Advent here at 45th Street. It's an annual celebration now. And Advent starts the first Sunday after Thanksgiving, and it goes for four Sundays until Christmas Eve. And so we start this Sunday, and we'll go the next three after this one. It's called the season of Advent. And people say it's just another way for folk to get money from it. It is not. It absolutely is not about that. In fact, it is the anti-that. Yeah, it's the anti-that. And I got a clip today that I want to show you that I believe really talks about what we're about to get into. Because I think that we have allowed ourselves to be caught in the trap of commercialized Christmas. I believe we've allowed ourselves to be caught into the hustle and bustle of what Christmas is. And if I ask some questions, how many of y'all think Christmas is, is done when you bought your last gift? Don't say nothing. How many of you think that Christmas is done when your food is ready? How many of you think that Christmas is tied to those things and that they make Christmas what it is? If you do, then perhaps we need to have an adjustment 
on what Christmas is all about. And even if you don't think it is, I wonder what your children would say about what children, I mean, about what Christmas is all about. Have we lost focus on the reason for the season? Many of us in here are mature enough to understand that Jesus is the reason for the season. But how do we prepare ourselves year after year, two seasons that are difficult for us to prepare for in, in, in preaching. One is Easter and the other is Christmas. Yeah, difficult times for us to preach. Why? Should not be that way. But it's because we're preaching about him coming and leaving every Sunday. We talk about that. And so how do you freshen it, make it ref refreshed each, each year? And it should not have to be a struggle. And that's what Advent is about. Because once we enter into this season, there ought to be just like there was at the time that Christ was born, an expectation on the part of the people that something special is coming. And how do you get that expectation back in your mind? And how do you make it foremost in your mind? Uh, how many of you are excited when your birthday comes? How many of you are excited? I know some folk are because people are telling me they celebrate their birthday for a whole month. That's a new thing. They get excited. You know, their birthday is in December. They're making plans in August about how they're going to celebrate their birthday. I know they are, you know, because they're planning trips and planning events for their birthday. They got something to do every weekend of the month that their birthday is going on. You can't tell me you don't know what expectation is. I'm talking about that level of expectation when it comes to dealing with the birth of Jesus Christ. And look, I'm not mad at you for celebrating your birthday. I say have at it. If, if, if you and your folk want to celebrate your birthday that long, that's fine. All I'm saying is give everybody the due that they're due. And if you can celebrate yours for that, that long, surely, surely Jesus deserves some level of expectation beyond the 24-hour span that is Christmas Day, surely. And that's what Advent is all about. And there is a uh, philosopher who wondered out loud one day, uh, is there anybody here who knows what Christmas is all about? Yes, many of you know this philosopher and have grown up with him. I'm in this season now where I'm trying to introduce children, my grandchildren, to stuff I grew up with. Y'all know that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was 57 years old. Y'all know that? Well, let me ask you this. Is there anybody in here who didn't know, didn't know who Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was? That's right, because you've been indoctrinated for 57 years on who Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is, and many people would think that maybe that actually was a red-nosed reindeer. But you know who he is. But I wonder if those same people know who Jesus is. In the 57 years that people have been indoctrinated and to know who the red-nosed reindeer is, I wonder if the same number of people also know who Jesus the Christ is. First things first, right? And so what I'm saying to you is there is a philosopher who I believe you're familiar with, who some of you have heard and listened to, and he wondered aloud one day, does anyone know the real meaning or know what Christmas is all about? And in our public broadcast system, an answer was given to him that defied 
defy common perception and broke barriers. And let me see if I can give it to you right now. I'd like for you to hear this question from that philosopher himself. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. wanted a, an animated feature that it could use as a foundation for its seasonal advertising blitz. It contacted the television station and asked them if they could come up with something. And because the Peanuts series was so popular, the television station contacted Charles Schultz. And Charles Schultz pitched an idea that said, let's trap the real meaning of Christmas inside an animated feature. And he said, it has to be such that when it's played, the authentic version from the Bible has to be a part of the script. And he said, and I'm going to do something eclectic and put a jazz soundtrack under it. It's going to be something that's unheard of. And for some reason, the television studio audience, I mean, the television studio execs went for it. Even though most of them at the time, as we know it, were not Christians. They thought it would play well to the listening audience. And the results are Peanuts Christmas. Stuck right there in the middle of Charlie Brown asking the most existential question that you and I could ever wonder. What is Christmas all about? What he finds is Linus. Linus comes to him with the solid truth. How many people miss that? And I want you to notice something. You probably didn't notice this. Linus is trapped by his fears in the world. How do I know this? Because Linus always has a security blanket. Somebody ought to say ouch on this because you carry your security blanket around too. It may not be a blanket, but you carry something around that you're attached to. Yeah. And I love the fact and, and, and was not even aware of it until I was doing some research on this myself. You heard it. You saw it. When he got into the rhythm of the scripture and he said, behold, fear not, he dropped his blanket. Now, all these years I've been watching, I never paid attention to the fact that Charles Schultz was teaching and while he was letting him preach. Yeah, you can't talk about fear not and stand up there and hold a blanket that evidences all your fears. 
he dropped it and went back and told Charlie Brown, who was caught up, Charlie Brown. Yeah, nobody here want to admit they to Charlie Brown in the story. Nobody ever wants to admit that. But the truth of the matter is, many of us are wandering around struggling, getting buffeted on every side by life's adventures, not being able to pick up friends when we go to, people taking advantage of us. Come on now, I know I got somebody in here who felt like Charlie Brown before. Charlie Brown history is that he's been mistreated. He is the every man in the story. Many of y'all think he is, he is to be pitied, but the truth of the matter is if you pity Charlie Brown and you pity yourself because he represents all of us. Yeah, nobody's ever the most popular. Everybody's always got somebody who's against them. Nobody's ever, nobody's ever always winning. And Charlie Brown simply takes that a step further because he's never winning. Whenever he tries to kick, the ball is always pulled out from under him. How many of y'all have felt like that before? It, it's my time to get my kickoff, but every time it gets pulled away from me. I see you down there, Miles. Yeah, some of you don't understand that Charlie Brown is staring you back in the mirror some mornings. And yet that morning, Charlie Brown simply wanted to know what is Christmas all about? That question is the underpinning of what the Advent season is. That's the true answer to it. You'll find it. He said it. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Go back, stick a pen in it. If you've never read it yourself, go back and read that in your quiet time. Digest what's happening in that scripture. And what I love about this, and I'm going to get this and then I'm going to get up out of here in this sermon, that Luke, Luke, the physician, to me, I've told you before, I think he's the, the uh, first investigative reporter of the Bible because Luke wasn't there when this stuff was happening. Well, he was around, but he wasn't a part of the circle when it was happening. And the reason we know that Luke got it right is because he interviewed the actors who experienced it. And the actor, in this instance, and when I say actor, I mean the person who experienced this is Jesus' mother, Mary. And there in that same scripture, we know that Luke talked to her, and she revealed these things to him, the Bible says, because she had hid them in her heart. In other words, she had been carrying it all along, Louise, and she finally had somebody who asked her the right question. And she told him exactly what happened between uh, when Jesus Christ uh, was born. Luke, the physician, wrote it down just like he got it. And see, what happens in that situation when Charlie Brown gets the answer from Linus? Linus, who nobody paid attention to. Linus, who comes with truth. You can learn a lot from young folk. Linus been overlooked. Everybody knows you can't depend on him because he's afraid, afraid of everything. And yet it's this one Linus who lets go of his fears to grab the actual truth. And not only grab it, but share it with other people. Maybe there's some instruction in there for us. But watch this. When Charlie Brown gets that answer for him, he had been lost in the trappings of the tinsel and the Christmas tree. He'd been lost in the shopping. He had no money. He had been lost in the being somebody's favorite to get a gift from. He never expected that. He had been trapped in all the things that the world had made Christmas into. 
And he had gotten so frustrated because he couldn't fulfill any of those things, which is why he screamed out to him. Does anybody here know what Christmas is all about? Linus tells him, and watch what happens. This is what I'd like for you to get. He refocused. He refocused. He refocused. And so this message today, I want to tell you, is what happened to Charlie Brown. The name of it is A Heavenly Guarantee. All right? He got a heavenly guarantee. Y'all know what a guarantee is. We, we love guarantees. Guarantees mean it's going to happen. Yeah, when, when, you, when you're big and bad enough to say, I guarantee it, that means you'll put all of yourself and resources behind making it happen. When you buy something that comes with a guarantee, if something goes wrong with it, we're quick to take it back to whomever we purchased it from and say, but there's a guarantee on this, yeah. And, and you need to make it right for me. And what I'm telling you is that during this Advent season, what I want you to reflect on is that we are living in a guarantee from heaven. And that guarantee is what gives us hope. And this is not hope like the world has hope. Because cause the world has hope like, I hope so, uh, maybe so, possibly so. I came to tell you that heaven gives you a guarantee on your hope. In other words, it's absolutely, without a doubt, going to happen because heaven puts all of heaven behind it to make it happen. So Charlie Brown once hearing the, the words from Luke goes from an inward understanding to an outward understanding of what Christmas is all about. See, he was concentrating on what Charlie Brown couldn't do. He never thought about, about what heaven had already done. And he certainly never thought about what Jesus Christ had already done for him. And because he learned that lesson, it puts him in a different posture. And so today I want you to hear the same words of hope during this season of Advent that gives us an understanding of what to expect for this Christmas holiday. Forget what you've already heard. Forget what you've already been told about what Christmas is. Get rid of the trappings of the season in your mind and stop being a victim and slave to what people tell you Christmas has got to be. There's a better understanding than all the celebrations you find yourself a part of. Celebrations can be wearying if you go to them in the wrong spirit. Hear me now. There's nothing wrong with celebrating, Bobby. Nothing at all. But there's something wrong with celebrating in the wrong spirit. When you feel made to come, I call some of those celebrations gripping grins because all you do is shake folks' hands and smile, but you don't really enjoy it. You're just waiting till you can get up out of there and go do what you want to do. That's never what the intention is supposed to be. As we enter Advent, for some people this, this concept is new. It's a new concept, and I want you to make it a part of how you start celebrating the Christmas season from now on, all right? It's only during this time on the calendar that I told you, but you can have the spirit of expectation, which is what Advent is, in your heart all the time. Advent simply means coming or arrival. 
that's the definition of it, coming or arrival. Yeah, it's not a stale thing. It's not a commercialized thing. It's not a way for people to elongate or make longer the period of Christmas so they can get more money from you. This is not a Christmas in July or a November thing. No, this is the true meaning of what the season is all about. It's a season, and I love this, that links the past, the present, and the future. That's what Advent does for us. It gives us the opportunity to share in the ancient feelings and longings of a Messiah coming. Have you ever tried to think, where were the people mentally before Christ was born? What did they have on their mind, Sydney? What did they expect to happen? For many, many hundreds of years, they had been waking up and going to bed with the notion that God was going to send them a savior. They were going to bed with that expectation. People were, people were living and dying, Carol, with the notion that God was going to send a savior to them. Generation after generation had that expectation. Maybe let me put it in this context for you and it'll, it'll help you. Uh, for a few generations, we had people born into slavery. And then we had people who died while still slaves. And yet, they still had the expectation that our God was one day going to give them freedom. Even though freedom didn't manifest itself during their lifetime, they had an expectation that one day their children would not have to deal with the burden of slavery and that they would be freed. And one day it did come to pass. And I came to tell you today that it's the same notion that was in the mind of the people when it came to dealing with the coming of the Messiah. Because isn't that what Christ did? He came to set us free. Yeah, free from the bondage of our past choices in the garden, Jesus came to make us free from those decisions. And we eagerly awaited him. And that's what I want to renew in you today, this spirit of newness, of expectation, that I'm still struggling in some respects in my life in bondage. I'm still struggling with things that I've done, but Christ has, watch this, here's the guarantee, already paid the price. See, we get into this season and we forget what's already been done. And the Advent comes to us to remind us that the hope we have is not a joke. It's a real hope. It's a, it's a real hope, and that hope comes with a guarantee. It's not centered in, some traditions have us lighting Every week we light a Christmas wreath with a candle on it. And that's fine if you need to do that. You can absolutely do it to count down the time. There's nothing wrong with that. This season that's so busy, it's frenetic even. You can't even catch your breath. There's so much going on, so many things on, going on. I, I, I was flipping through the TV channel the other day, and, and, I, and I noticed uh, that they had the holiday season holiday movies schedule on and the holiday movie schedule for Christmas watch this started in October yeah all the movies for Christmas because it's that minute started in October and this is in the season that we have 
which tells me that there's got to be some other motive behind it starting in October. But the reason why they want to start it in October is to get you geared toward doing all the things that they want you to do, and that's making purchases and buying things. Yeah, they don't have the same thing in mind that we have in mind. But then here comes Advent, and Advent supplants that commercialized notion and puts us in the right perspective. We're not in a season of pretending or covering up. We're in a season of revelation. Here comes what God is intending for us. And so Advent is not a celebration. Let me, let me tell you what Jesus comes to fix everything. Oh, no, 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 no. God comes in and, and repairs everything wrong in your life. That's not what Advent is. No, it's a reminder that God comes. You, you didn't hear me because somebody was supposed to shout. Advent is a reminder that God comes. Yeah, in case you had any doubt, he absolutely comes to us, just like us. We forget every morning that God comes. We do. We get caught up in the situations in our lives and we forget that God has come to us. We're not in the same position, Michelle, that those folks were before Christ was born because we know he came. And that's why I'm telling you the hope that we have is not one that is lost on speculation. The hope that we have is one that comes with a guarantee. Why? Because he came. And if he didn't come, what you celebrating? If he didn't come, what's the season all about? If he didn't come, then we have no reason, Tam, for Christmas. If he didn't come. But we know he came. And Advent comes to simply remind us every year, whisper to us, God came. He came. And so, three things for you, and then you can, I think, put the Christmas, this, this, this feeling of hope into proper perspective. If you're going to experience the true hope of Christmas, the true hope of Christmas, you have to look before what's going on right now. Yeah, yeah, you got to look before and see what's happening. That's a problem, though. That's a problem. Because this is how we do hope. We say, I hope it doesn't rain. Or I hope I get this job. Or, or, or I hope the world will be at peace. Or I hope he gets better. Uh, uh, I hope she shows up today. Because I like her. You feel in the blank, I hope. But everything that we're talking about in terms of hope is stuff we lack control over. And can I tell you this? We hope for things that may or may not happen, but in Jesus, hope is a guarantee. Because Jesus has already, come on now, we say Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. We, he's already paid the price. And so when we look before, first thing, when we look before, then we look back as a validation that our hope is secure. 
But we don't want to we don't want to do the things that are necessary in it. Because we don't we don't we don't wait well. We struggle with waiting. Oh, we do. Yeah. We still waiting on another Martin Luther King to come. As if God needs to send another. Well, why? We killed the first one. Why would he sacrifice another one for the same lesson? It's already been proven, particularly in this climate, that that's a hard job. It's a dangerous job on you. Yeah. And yet we're still waiting on somebody to come out and be our unified leader. Well, we got one. It's called a president. And they're imperfect. And we take sides for or against them. So even waiting for someone to come and lead us out of the collective mess that we've gotten ourselves into, that hasn't worked. No, 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 no. And yet we did have one come. His name is Jesus. And do you know that there are people who work against Jesus? Even though he's the only one that came with actual hope of eternal life, the thing that everybody seems to be looking for, and there are people who have heard, read, studied the stories of Jesus' life, and they still reject it. And so the question you have to say is, is my hope based in reality? If it's based in Jesus, then it is. Because he actually lived. There's a, there was a, it was predicted that he would come. Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son will be given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. As Isaiah predicted, he came. And so when you look before, that's a reason for you to have security in the hope that you have. Because just as they predicted he would come, he came. They also predicted that he would come and come out of the house of David. And 43 generations after that prediction, guess what? He came out of the house of David. And can I tell you something? In a twist that only God could make happen, his mama and his daddy came out of the house of David. Yeah, that was strange in, in a way, but, it, but, but God validated it. There ain't going to be no mistakes here. He's coming out of the house of David. But the reason why we can't appreciate it is because we don't know how to wait. We don't. We want it right now. We want, and I'm telling you, the guarantee is already there. Just look before. The guarantee is there. But parents, if I step on your toes, say out, we devalue waiting in our children. We don't make them wait for anything. And maybe it's because we weren't made to wait for anything. Maybe. But you have to teach waiting. You do. See, y'all are waiting on me to keep talking. Ready for me to say something else. Yes, thought something was wrong just because I wasn't running my mouth and I was just trying to prove the point that you want something to be happening all the time. And sometimes something is happening when you can't see it happening. We are intolerant to waiting. Can you imagine all those hundreds of years, centuries, 
that they waited for Christ to come. Can you imagine how it had, the feeling had grown in them, the expectation, and then it was fulfilled. It was fulfilled in a way that not even anyone could anticipate in such a meek and lowly way. There was no grandeur except for heaven sending um, its angelic choir to announce it on a hillside to the most low of people in the public strata, shepherds. Nobody wanted to be around shepherds, and yet they were given the blessing of having the visitation. It happened. So if you look before, then that ought to give you such joy because our hope was validated and guaranteed because Christ absolutely did come. But guess what? Part of that hope ought to be this, and I'm, I want you to be mature in this. You ought to be hopeful because you know he came, but he's not done yet. That's part of your hope. The hope is he came the first time, yes, guaranteed that he came the first time, was resurrected after he was killed, but he's not done yet. The concluding part of that is that I'm going to be with him forever. And when that happens, when every knee shall bow and every tongue confesses that he's Lord, then I know that his work is not finished. But until then, guess what? You ought to hope for his return. You ought to wake up in the morning and say, he didn't come for me today. And I pray he'll come tomorrow for me. You ought to learn how to say that. And so you look, look before, and then you need to look around. The second thing, look around. Look beneath your circumstances. Too many of us get caught up in our circumstances. And they think our circumstances, I think I preached before that your condition is not your conclusion. It's not. Just the circumstances you find yourself in. You might be getting tore up in life. Hmm. Broken. Pushed against the rocks. Don't feel like you can make it. Some of these things are your own making. Yeah, the choices you make end up giving you the results that you get. I got to tell you, there is no come up, generally. But I got to tell you this, Jesus Christ has validated to us and what we've seen happen in Scripture when we look around is you might be getting beat down for four quarters, but all you need is 24 seconds. And in 24 seconds, you can turn it all the way around and end up with the victory. Now, come on now. I can't tell you that God gave me that last night except you were there. You know I'm not making it up. Beat down for four quarters. Losing for four quarters. You might have that in your life. And all it takes is one good pass, one good catch, and you can be the winner. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of you hear exactly what I'm saying because you've been getting beat down all this time. You know it's been a struggle. Yeah, guess what? I came to tell you. The hope I came to give you today is that you're going to be a victor. You're going to win. Just stop looking at your immediate circumstances. How do I know this? How do I know this? Because Mary knew no matter what she went through, 
God was going to bless her throughout the circumstance. Why? Because she had been visited from heaven and they had already told her exactly what was going to go on. Now this is something that she couldn't share with anybody else. How do you come out and tell somebody an angel visited me last night? I mean, just, just play this. Put this on your TikTok. Yeah, angel visited me last night, y'all, and, uh, and then the Holy Spirit came and overshadowed me. Come on. Play that little music in the background where they be jamming, dancing, and see, you'll probably get a million views, but everybody thank you all. They'll make a meme of it. Yeah, this is what crazy looked like in 2021. That's what they'll tell you, except who could she come out with? She's a young girl. Nobody's going to believe her. They're going to say she's lying, Tyrone. They're going to say she's trying to cover up something that has happened because she's already promised to marry Joseph, and now she finds herself with child. And, and uh, you know, they're going to come up with every reason why it's a lie, and yet she had to shoulder this burden. Why? Because she had guaranteed hope. Heaven had put its stamp of approval on everything she was going to. And then heaven gave her a clause in the contract to let her know everything was all right. He said, if you don't believe what's happening to you, Mary, look over there at your cousin Elizabeth. The same thing is happening to her. She's far beyond the age of having a baby. And yet she's with child. And as a matter of fact, to make yourself feel better, to get you out of your community for a little while, why don't you go stay with her? As soon as she got to Elizabeth, her hope was validated because the baby that was in Elizabeth quickened when Mary came walking through the village street. The Bible says that the baby leapt, leapt in Elizabeth's stomach just at the very presence of Jesus Christ in utero, in his mama's stomach. That means spirit recognized the spirit. Hope validated. So look beyond the trappings that you find yourself in now. Look back at what God has already done. Look at what he's doing every day now. Get up in the morning. Stop expecting that everything's going to be all right when you get up just because you are you and start giving God the glory for who he is. Every morning when he wakes up, if you want to have the right feeling, then be grateful when you get up in the morning. Be grateful for what God has done. Be grateful for how he's kept you every day. You think just because you're so you that God has to bless you every day? I came to tell you, you'll never be so you that you deserve what God has given to you. You'll never be so good or so wonderful that God has blessed you enough. All of it comes because of the grace of God, his mercy renews every morning and so you can have your hope validated when you get up in the morning and say God you blessed me today because you blessed me today I fully expect that everything is going to be all right that's hope guaranteed and last but not least last but not least look beyond what you see not just what's happening in your life right now but be mature enough to know that one day he's coming back one, one day one day. Now, 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 most of us would like to say, I hope I'm here when Christ comes back. And you'll get mature enough to understand that it don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're here or not, because Scripture tells us pretty plainly 
that just because you're here, that won't prevent those who have gone before you from claiming the glory at the same time. Because the Bible says, and you've heard me read it, but see, you don't pay attention when you're in these funerals and situations because everybody's distracted. The Bible said the dead in Christ shall rise first. First. In other words, God loves us enough that he will validate your hope even if you're no longer here. He will raise you and say, here I am, I've come back for you. Your hope is validated. Then those of us who are still here, Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians, will be caught up at the same time as those who've gone before. Somebody ought to shout on that. In other words, the folk I've been missing, being around, we're going to go up together in that heavenly elevator. Whatever it is, we'll be riding together. That's the hope I'm looking forward to. I just got to die. I either have to be living for him when he comes, or I have to die in him. That's the hope I've got to have. Look beyond. Stop focusing on just what they tell you Christmas ought to be. No, you know what Christmas is all about. It's about Jesus Christ and him alone. Him alone. I don't care if your birthday is on December 25th. That might be your birthday, but that ain't what the day is all about for all of us. I can celebrate your birthday that day, but that's not what it's all about. It's something bigger than even your birthday on Christmas Day. Yeah, you just so happen to share that day with the Savior of the world, with Emmanuel, which simply means God with us. You, you share that day, and I'm so glad today that when you look beyond all the circumstances that are going on, Christmas become much, much more than you ever anticipated it being because you're waiting on the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to wait. But I encourage you to every day unwrap the gift of hope that God has given to you. Christmas isn't done when you buy the gifts. Oh, no. I hear people say all the time, you ready for Christmas? Yeah, I done bought everything I'm going to buy. That's what people say. I bought everything I'm going to say. Be more mature than that. You ready for Christmas? Every day. I'm waiting on Christmas. Every day I'm waiting on him to be with us again. Every day I'm waiting on him to come back and get me. And I know he's coming. Why? Because he's already stamped and guaranteed. He'll be back. So as we go into this season of Advent, as we move into it, not only am I asking you to believe this, I'm asking you to tell somebody else. Teach them about this hope. Because they're wandering around, like, as they say, someone with their head on fire, chickens with their head cut off. All these different analogies, you can simply tell them, calm down. Calm down. Christ has already done the work we need to have done, and I'm expecting him to come back and get me one day. Amen. Now, if you've never known about this Jesus Christ that I'm talking about, and today is the day you've heard about him, then maybe, maybe you didn't know that he's extended a gift like this to us. An invitation, we always say. And all he's asking you to do is to receive this invitation. Receive his gift of salvation. And if you've never done that before, then here's the opportunity for you to do it. Today is the day for you to say, I'd like for Jesus Christ to be 
my Savior. I accept him as such. I realized I needed him just like they did so many hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, and now I'm expecting him to keep me and come back for me. If today is the day you've just realized that, just pray that simple prayer. I'm a sinner in need of salvation. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, my Savior and my Lord. And I pledge myself to him from now until you pray that simple prayer. The Bible says that you are saved. I realize some of you may physically never be able to walk down this aisle. But that doesn't mean you can't be part of our fellowship. But if you're here today and if you never accepted him, now's the time for you to come. We invite you to membership here in this congregation. We invite you to fellowship here in this congregation. If you're online or in the in the, in the internet sphere, I also invite you to become a part of us. While the choir sings this song, whosoever will, let them come right now.